Mommy Track Daddy Whispers podcast is now called Birth Agni podcast. Hello listeners, you're listening to episode 12 of Mommy Track Daddy Whispers podcast. I'm your host Divya. And right now in this moment I feel extremely blissful to be able to stand here right in front of the mic and speak to you. It has been a rough few days. The last couple of weeks were extremely emotionally overwhelming for us as a family. First we were all down with covid and then we lost a loved one and my daughter has not been well for some time now. So right now I feel extremely blissful. What do you feel right now? I hope you feel good wherever you are. I hope like I do right now you feel receptive of the future that there is. We've all been through a lot in this entire year. And this year is about to come to an end. But I know there is still some sort of a fear. A lot of our questions are unanswered and a lot of such questions that probably we always had they surfaced during these times during this entire year we have had the time to introspect into our own lives and find so many questions i hope you found a lot of answers to on that note we'll go to the topic that we're going to discuss today Today we're going to talk about brain patterns and functioning and children behavior that is how the brain functions and how that is related to how children behave and how did i come onto this topic i came onto this topic because those two weeks that we were all down with covid i realized something something extremely powerful I'm very passionate about what I do. I'm very passionate about the fact that I get to talk to you. So in those 2 weeks I was into an entirely new routine. I found it extremely hard to be able to go back to podcasting. And I found it strange because all the time that I was not podcasting I was extremely anxious. I wanted to go and do it i felt that i was you know missing something i felt that i was losing it in the race with myself so i found it strange when i got the time when we all mingle back together when i got the right setup why could not i go back to it and so i researched i researched about how brain functions how sometimes it is so easy to get into a habit and slip out of a old habit maybe and sometimes how difficult it is to get into a habit we all want to go exercising every day right but we are not able to i mean most of us are not able to get into that routine but for some of them it's very easy how does that happen and when i researched on that topic i found compelling parallels between how our brain functions how our brain perceives patterns and how children behave so without further ado we're going to get started 
but before an intro Welcome to Mommy Track Daddy Whispers a podcast about women postpartum and parenting as a whole without subjecting it to motherhood or fatherhood We are a bi-weekly podcast where I share my experiences and learning as a new parent with an intent to align diverse experiences and grow into a community wherein we mutually uplift each other So how does the brain function Let's talk about the first question I asked myself when I started my research and that was what are habits To answer this and to club everything that I read I would break down habits into two types One is where you're forced by the circumstances to follow a routine for some time and you just follow it you're just going from one task to another and just doing it so that it forms a new routine and you're not really thinking about doing anything else or forcing yourself to form a routine in a conscious way so you're taking clues from the environment from your circumstances and you're doing what's necessary and you're just moving from one thing to another and doing as it is needed that would be one kind of habit and if i have to place myself during the covid times i would put myself into this kind of habit so at that point in time when we were all quarantined i was following a routine that was necessary and that came out of a need to survive i did no conscious effort to follow that routine it was circumstantial and i was driven to do it and the second kind of uh, habit would be where you try and consciously put yourself into a routine because you want to follow that because that's good for you say exercise that requires effort why because it's not taking the natural clue from your current routine you're changing something in your current stimuli so brain would function on the stimuli it would get an input it would generate an output based on that the second kind of habit is formed when you're trying to create a stimuli yourself to be able to be in that habit it can be enjoyable like podcasting it's enjoyable for me but it requires effort you're putting yourself into that environment you're creating the necessary environment around your habit to be able to slip into it so that requires effort say exercise and it has a kind of a thrill and it can give you some sort of a adrenaline rush maybe so to cut the long story short there are two kinds of habits one that is formed due to a need to survive out of the natural stimuli of the environment you're in and the second is when you're trying to put yourself into a habit and you're trying to create an environment that supports it you're trying to create stimuli and that requires effort because you're not naturally slipping into it so if i relate it to how children work so i'll give you an example and that is a very cliche example but that supports this we all watch television we all are glued to our cell phone and our children are naturally inclined to wanting to watch television to wanting to spend a lot more time on cell phones because they're getting that kind of a stimuli they're getting that kind of an environment so they'll naturally slip into 
this habit very easily and why does it become difficult to set boundaries for children because usually and mostly in our cases it is trying to create a new stimuli for them which is not present and also sometimes it is against the natural desire of the children so when we are trying to want them to work in a specific way which is against their natural desires it becomes very important to give the same stimulus again and again so if there is something that you do not want them to do you need to say no to it every time they do it you need to be calm to all the ruckus they create to all the loud noises and the imbalanced harmony of the house you want something you want to set a boundary you'll have to give the same set of stimuli again and again and that is where it becomes a problem when we're living with families because if you will create a specific set of stimuli maybe somebody else would not be able to follow that pattern and hence it becomes very important to work as a team in families you need to tell the other person that since you are going to do this so if they want to watch television other than the time that you've already set for them that they're in routine with you'll have to tell everybody in the house to stop them tell them that they cannot get television at this point in time you need to tell everybody to give the same set of stimuli and trust me it's not difficult when you can communicate what you're trying to imbibe in the child in a clear way every family can work as a team except the little highs and lows that will come and go with children you cannot expect to have a constant wave rather you cannot expect to have a constant line it will always be a wave so there'll be highs and lows like we have in natural life so that was habit and that is how it is related to how our children work second and that was very interesting to me the second thing that i found out when i was researching about habits is that there is a concept of crowd habit or i would say a herd habit or a community habit community habit is a better way to describe it so what is a community habit let me give you an example and that came in in some um, in some video sometime back as well so that is how i remember it so in india now and with globalization and most part of the world marriages are cemented with rings and what are those they're mostly diamonds now and i saw in a video sometime back then when the ad was created the ad was created by showing an intent that diamonds are forever and they are necessary to your you know cement your marriage and it's it's a it's an example of class or it's a symbol rather of class and what not and slowly and by and by and by it became a community habit and a lot of people now marry with rings which are mostly diamonds or sapphire or maybe something around the same line crowd habits they can be stressful especially when they become a part of your culture and when they might not be necessary for you 
I would not go there because it's not related to my topic today. But wanted to just give you a food for thought. And now, what is the ecosystem for forming a habit? What are the parameters that actually help you form a habit? These are three. Atmosphere, clue, the mental state of a person and the brain's response. I made them four, but you can club the last two together. Atmosphere. So if you live in the same house and you have the same stimuli or clue every day, you'll end up doing the same thing every day. So there comes a day that somebody comes in to your house. It disturbs the pattern. So the clue changes and the response changes. And if the same person starts coming every day to your house, you will have the same clue every day. And most probably the same response until you do not want the person to come in again and again. That is how you'd form a new routine which would adjust the entry of a new person into your house every day. Like when we did not have the Visha or D, we had a different routine. And now that we have her, we have a different routine. Because probably our atmosphere has changed with the entry of a new person. So if you want to have your children follow a routine, you cannot keep giving them random clues. You need to work with them to give them the right stimuli, the right clues. You want them to go back to sleep. Rather, you want them to go to sleep at 10 in the night. You need to take the right response from them. If they're sleeping a little more in the afternoon, they are least likely to go to sleep at 10 p.m. So you need to check the atmosphere, see the clues and work accordingly. That is how you're going to put a child into a habit. And then it's very important to give the same set of clues. And if there comes a change once or twice, it's not going to change the routine of the child because when they get back to the same atmosphere and the same clue, they will go back to the same habit. But if they keep getting the new stimuli again and again and again, they're going to form a new habit out of the need to survive. And then if you're trying to push them back into the old habit, it's going to be difficult, like in my case. No matter how much I love doing what I do, my brain had ceased to find that thrill. Now, why does the brain follow a pattern? So we come to our third question from here. Why does a brain follow a pattern? Or does it follow a pattern in the first place? Yes, it does. With all that we've discussed, it does converge into this one point that brain follows patterns. So if you're solving a mathematical question, your brain is going to go back to all the similar patterns of questions it had in the past. It's going to take clues from there. It's going to draw parallels and solve the new one. So brain works in patterns. But does it like patterns? And if it does like patterns, why is it that we get easily bored of something we do? Despite consciously trying to do the same thing time and again. Why do we get bored? Why do we slip out of exercise? Why are we not able to get into exercise by slipping out of our general routine? 
Why is it that we are stuck in the same atmosphere and the same clues for very long? Like we are in the COVID time, stuck inside the house. Why do you want to go to travel? What is it that travel does to your brain? That it gives a thrill, it's enjoyable. That you desire it after some time. And for some people like me, if I travel a lot, I desire to come back to the same place again. That is, I desire to come back to my same comfortable place again. So how does brain work? So that was the fourth question. Does the brain like patterns? To answer this based on all the research I've done, yes, brain follows pattern. And once it has created a pattern, it becomes easier for it to go back to it, refer to it and work. So everything that you've grabbed into your mind by creating a pattern goes to the subconscious mind. So if you start learning driving, it is an effort because you're using all your conscious energy, conscious brain to work at it. But once you become an expert, you're only using your subconscious mind. It may not be enjoyable at all. It may not give you the thrill. So yes, brain forms patterns, but after a time, after you form a habit, it stops using its conscious energy. We can call it a mental shutdown. So routines and habits are effortless, they become comfortable, there is a familiarity that you have, there is efficiency, it increases efficiency, yes, but it can become mundane because... You're not using the brain anymore, which is why we all crave travel. So what does travel do? So on one of the websites, it was written that if you go to travel, go to a new place, you're going to do the same thing, but your atmosphere has changed. And so the brain is being actively utilized and hence it gives you a thrill. It would take effort. It would take energy. It will be a lot of mental activity. But for some people like me, sometimes it can become tiring and we would want to go back to a comfort zone where we're not using our brain anymore. And yeah, that is why creating new habits can be difficult. Unless it's the type 1 habit where the natural stimuli are forcing you as a need for survival to follow that habit. Which is why I easily slipped into a new routine during the COVID times. I had no choice. But yeah, I like talking to you. And so I'm here. No matter how much effort it took. Talking about children. Have you noticed that most of the children, they lack focus? If they're working on something at one point in time. They would leave that, get bored easily and go do the next thing. Can you draw the parallel? Children are utilizing a lot of their brain. We as adults stop doing that. We come into a zone where our bodies are saving energy. But children, they are in a phase where they're growing, when there is no need to save energy. And hence, their brains are extremely active. Because as a part of evolution or rather as a part of growth, they're utilizing their brains, they're taking all the stimulus in, learning. And after an age, all that learning 
is already there on our mind. We have all the ABCs and we know our environments, roughly. And hence, we stop getting that thrill after some time. But for children, everything is new. They're extremely curious. They're using, they're exercising their brain a lot. And hence, they lack focus. And they say that forming new habits, traveling, reading new books, doing new things, it is so refreshing because in that act, we are exercising our brain, which had gone dormant because of us following patterns with the same atmosphere and the same clothes. And I remember my mum changing the furniture every two months. That is changing the place of the furniture in the house every two months. She would take the bed to the new corner of the room and do stuff like this, probably to bring new change. Hence, it is extremely important to exercise our brains. And I could also draw a very strong parallel here. Why does social media become addictive? Because it is constantly throwing new things at us. But that excessive speed, that excessive utilization of the brain where we have a lot of clues but have very little time for response is actually bad for the brain. Because probably it gets into a pattern where it forgets to observe things because it doesn't have to give a response in the first place. And another parallel we can draw with this would be our sixth question. Why is it difficult to take risks? And for some, it becomes easier to take risks. Because they've taken risks in the past and their brain has followed that pattern. So it can go back to memory and probably do a probability analysis and allow you to take that risk. For some who never have taken any risk, have not gone out of their comfort zone to exercise their brain so much, they might find it very hard after some time to take risks. And have you ever seen children taking risks? My daughter would jump from the bed, she would jump from the sofa, and I've observed that after the initial few falls, she knows exactly how much to jump so as not to fall. So taking risks does give an adrenaline rush, but at the same time, it is very important to improve your learning by taking risks. If you're not taking risks, if you're not stepping out of your comfort zone, you are not learning. And probably you're much less happy. So take risks, go to that hike, do whatever you think you are capable of. Take that leap of faith, just like you did when you were very little. And children are great teachers. They are a living case study of how nature works, how our bodies work, how our minds work. I am no neuroscience expert. I'm only observing. We were never born parents. We become parents the day our children are born. And as animals, nobody teaches us parenting. It's a natural instinctive process. And that is what it should be. It should not be based on the standards or on something that somebody, somebody said. It should be based on how our brain functions. Because that's exactly how the children's brain function. We are not different. We are equals. So, take the right clues. See the responses of your clues that you give to them. 
and see if it works for them or not. See if it works for your values as a family or not. You just need to sit and observe how your child takes clues that you give them and what responses they can give. You can easily turn things around. But if you stick to a standard, you'll keep thinking, oh, this should work. And there is where you'll shut your brain. You'll feel gloomy, guilty, incapable, which absolutely you're not. You are an animal. We all human beings are animals. We are capable of everything. If we could produce a human being out of our own bodies, we are pretty much capable of everything. So enjoy parenting as a process. And that would be my parenting tip of the episode, which is for all our relationships, especially with our children, parent them by being raw, by being patient, by being empathetic. Send the right clues and see what response you get. Work accordingly and you'll do just fine. There is no perfect way to go about it. And there is no rule book for parenting. On that note, I would wind up my episode. It was a short and sweet episode on what I read about neuroscience and how I was able to slip out of my habit of podcasting. And I'm really happy and thrilled to be back. If you like listening to me, please subscribe to my Instagram handle at the official. If you would want a specific topic to be covered here, you would want a guest here, please write to us. And I'll be back with another episode very soon. Till then, take care. Happy parenting. Keep listening.